Hey, I'm, I'm happy to be with you guys today. What a wonderful church we got. You ever, you ever notice that? Man, this is a great church. I'll tell you how I know it's a great church. When you can have VBS and you bring Darth Vader and they don't fire you, you're in a good church. <laughs> My goodness, what a wonderful VBS we had. You know, in order to get the, the, the gospel presented like I knew God wanted it, you had to bring the bad and then bring the good in. You know, the, the dark side and the right side, good and evil. And in my opinion, there wasn't a better way in the world to demonstrate that than Princess Billy, wherever she's at, and Darth Vader. And, and then Jason, they didn't even know who was dressed up in those other costumes, did they? They didn't even know it was you. No. Ben, ben gets it anyway. Okay, <laughs> it's so good to be with you today. I want to, uh, want to bring a very special uh, message to you today that God has been speaking to me. Again, it's always one that I've already preached kids, and they liked it. It worked for them in Dallas, so I figured bigger kids, maybe it'll work on them too. Um, the first thing I want to share with you is a wonderful verse in Jeremiah 29, 11. You guys know this verse? Do me a favor. Stand up if you would, everybody. I know, it's, I know we're not in those other kind of churches, but stand up. We're going we're gonna to read this together, okay? Here we go. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Isn't that a wonderful verse? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the, your holy word. We ask, we ask you, God, to open it up to us today. Open our hearts, fill our lips, open our hearts, that we might please you in our service and our service, and our praise to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I always wanted to do that. I didn't know if they would, Gail, but they did. That's good. So today we're going to talk about a wonderful thing that we just read about. It was God's plan. I know that I have what plans I have for you. Aren't you glad God knows? Honestly, because we don't always know, do we? Sometimes we'll wonder, and we'll wonder, what in the world is God's plan for me? What is it? What is it? But God knows. He's never, ever one time forgot it. He created you, as, as the next verse we got here, Psalms 139, 14 says, You are fearfully and wonderfully made. What that means is that he knew exactly what he was doing when he created you. He put the parts together. He gathered them from here, and he gathered them from there. He gave you a special shot of this and held back a little bit of this. You ever notice that? And uh, like patience on some things, temper on some, yeah, he'd give me a slower in there. But anyway, uh, that's the way we're created, fearfully and wonderfully. That means, first of all, it's wonderful. But the other thing, fearfully, means that he spent time in doing that. He was a thought process, nothing again that was thrown together, because he knew exactly what you were going to do, what he wanted you to do, what you were created to do. Whether or not you do that is totally up to you, whether you achieve God's will which absolutely is the greatest blessing we can ever achieve in life, is doing the will of God. And, and you know, the devil is our, our enemy, and, our and he's always against us, and he tries his very best to confuse us to thinking we cannot ever achieve God's plan. We can never do it. That's what his life mission is for each one of us to convince us that we can't do what God has called us and created us to do. Now, being called is great, but being created makes it possible. You're not only called to do that, you're created to do that. And I am the, a very good example of being created to be a children's pastor. You don't know anybody else like me, do you? I honestly don't think you do. Because God knew he needed somebody like me, and he gave me... Now, honestly, when I was growing up, I thought something was wrong with me. Because I didn't act like my dad. I never seen my dad do that. 
what is wrong? But it, it took a long time for me to figure out that God, I was fearfully and wonderfully made exactly what he needed for me to be. And I can't tell you that I grew up, you know, when I, as soon as I got to be an adult, I got it. One day it came to, now I wish. But it didn't happen that way. A lot of trial and error, a lot of things, a lot of people had to get involved in my life and kind of tell me some things. Uh, but, but because of the devil had me convinced I had messed up. I couldn't be what uh, God had called me to be. I couldn't be in full-time ministry because I hadn't done what I was supposed to do. Now, what, what, what I mean by that was I, I uh, went to Bible college, and I didn't stay there very long because I just wasn't ready to go to college. I wasn't ready for that. And so I came home, and when I did, the devil could see, I told you. I told you, you are not made for that. So in my mind, I was convinced that I could never be in full-time ministry. So I was, I was uh, trying my best to be con- uh, just be contented with being a, uh, a volunteer, which is wonderful, but that wasn't what God wanted. And so he started sending people to me to tell me that, hey, God has a plan for you, even if you can't see it. I remember I was running this church camp in Indiana, and this guy came up to me, and he really scared me. He said this, he said, you're not fooling me. You're not fooling me, not one bit. I thought, oh my gosh, what did I do? Ben, what did I do? And he said, you have the heart of a pastor. Why aren't you doing that? So I told him my little story, and he said, you didn't believe that, did you? I said, yeah. And he said, no. He said, that's not the way it works. He said, it's important to get education, but it it shouldn't stop you from what God has called you to do. So I kind of listened a little bit to that, and then it happened again. Another guy came up to me, and he said, "What, what, what are you doing? God has called you into ministry. You need to just do it. So that was, that was the second time. So it only took three. It's not like I'm completely stupid. But you know, the third time, I, was at, I again was at this church camp. And I brought in this wonderful speaker from the great state of Arkansas. There you go. And so he was at my camp, and he was talking to me. And for some reason, he liked the way I was running camp. He, he seen some stuff in me. And he, and he got to talking about needing a children's, children's and, and youth pastor. And I said, oh, I wish I was qualified to do that. He said, What? I said, well, I would love to do that. He said, I said, but I, I'm not because I, 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 I didn't get my degree. I, I didn't fulfill my, what you got to have to be in full-time. Who in the world told you that, he said. He said, I would love to have you on my staff. I said, really? And he said, yeah. He said, start praying about it. So for a year, Gail and I prayed. For a solid year, we prayed. And guess where, where we were the next year at that time? We were in Arkansas. Both of us got perfect peace. Both of us knew that now was the time. Instead of going when I was 20, I went when I was just over 30. But you know what? God had a plan. And uh, I might have took a little detour there, but I found it. And then when I got there, I found out a whole lot of other things I didn't know. But, but, the, but the thing was that I got started. And God used things like that because he has a plan for all of us. Today we're going to talk about a, a Bible character that, that had, man, God had a, char- had, had, had a great plan. You know, there's... That I can find, Brother Jason, there's three times in the Bible that God sent people down, sent angels down to parents to tell them what their kids were going to do. He didn't do that with me. Did he do that with you? I don't think so because you're not in the Bible. But anyway, <laughs> the first time, well, not the first time because it's not in order. I'm, I'm not in chronological order. The, uh, the first time I'm going to tell you about it is when John the Baptist, he come down to the parents and said, even though you're old, I'm going to let you have a baby. His name is going to be John. He's going to be the forerunner of Christ. A very, very important job. He is going to be great, and he's going to do well, but it's going to cost him. 
And they said, oh, great. And then the next time, not long after that, is when the angel came down and talked to Mary. He said, oh, Mary, 14-year-old, 15-year-old, somewhere in there, maybe even 13, virgin girl that says, you are going to have a baby. And she said, I don't know how that's going to happen. And he told her. And he went on to say, and oh, my goodness, this baby is going to do miraculous things. He is God's son. He's going to save the world. But a, a spear is going to pierce your side, Mary. Because it's, you know, it's not all going to be pretty. And after hearing all that, she said the most remarkable words. She said, may everything you say come true. She was blown away by what her son was going to do. And then this third one. Come down to the parents of Samson. The Old Testament. Many, many years before any of that. This angel came down. In uh, Judges 13, if you want to turn with me to 13.5 says, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistine. So the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God. Very awesome. That's pretty cool. Very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for this child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb until the day of his death. Now, isn't that something? So, so, so this angel says, Hey, you're going to have a special, special child. And, and that's where it stopped, because the rest of it he was going to reveal to Samson himself. So Samson goes ahead, and, and, and the Bible says that he, he is born, and, and he grows, and the power of God starts coming upon him. Now, have you ever wondered, and, and I know you have, what, God, what God's plan for you is? Have you ever thought about that? I wonder what God wants me to be. Now, if you're like 80 years old, you might should have had this thought a little earlier, but it's still not too late. What has God's plan for me? Now, what the devil again wants you to do is think, now he doesn't really have a plan for you, you're just here. Now, you know what? If you just sit here and keep your mouth shut, you're fine with the devil. He's happy. If he can keep you with your mouth shut and thinking everything's good, happy as a lark. That's what the devil is. If, if, if you're just sitting there, oh, this is my job. I'm not supposed to talk. I'm not supposed to say anything. I'm just supposed to be here. Praise the Lord. It doesn't work like that, okay? That's not what God wants. So you're not in the plan. So if, if that's you, just forget that and, and go for the plan, okay? So this is what you got to remember that you're fearfully and wonderfully made for a reason that God has a plan. Now, once you get that in your head, this verse in Jeremiah, you got to believe that. For I know the plans I have for you. Now, it doesn't have all our names up there because all means all. I know the plans I have for all of you. All. Everybody. And, you know, it's like, it's like you know, if you're a, if you're a builder or, or, or you're somebody that can make things, you, with your hands you create it. And you have a purpose for that. Okay, you have a purpose for that thing that you've created. Well, God has a purpose for us. So here he creates Samson. And, and he had a really special plan for Samson. A real special plan. You know, he said, uh, For this child shall be a Nazarite from God from the womb, and he shall not deliver it, and he shall deliver Israel, the hands of the Philistine, no razor shall touch his head. Now what that means is for twenty years these Philistines had been tormenting the Israelites, and God just God just let them. You know why? Because they turned their back on God. They wasn't asking God for help. They wasn't seeking God's help. They didn't need God's help. We got this, they thought. We can handle this. And look what happened. You ever do that? Oh, my goodness. I do it all the time. I'm trying to get away from that. I got this, God. You might not say it out loud, but that's what your actions show. I got this. 
Because you forget to ask God. You forget to pray to God. You forget to trust in God for those little things that the devil is convinced you are not important, but they are. Because they build to big things. And that's the things you've got to watch. So plans are real important. I have a, have a little story about a plan I want to share with you. When my, uh, uh, when, after we got to Arkansas, we, uh, we hadn't been there very long, and we started getting visits from the Bible College in the summertime, and it was from uh, Nashville. That's where Gail and I had went. Uh, years before that, and uh, so they started sending people, and, and, and they asked us, okay, who wants to take uh, some people home? And I said, well, you have girls in that group, right? And they said, yeah. And I said, I'll take girls. Now, why did I want girls? Because I had girls, teenage girls, or going to be teenage girls at home, and I wanted them to see these girls and see how they acted and how they were because I wanted my girls to go to the Bible college too. But you know, you can't get them to go because you ask them. And you can't get them to go because you tell them, because that don't work. So you've got to have a, them think it's their idea. And they them want to go. So what we did, we had them come in, and, oh, God bless us. He gave us these great girls, didn't he, Gail? They were wonderful. And, and my girls just fell in love with them. I said, you know, you could be like that someday, I'm the same. <laughs> and so, and so the, the wheels started turning. Well, a few years after that, Sarah, my, my oldest, she, she's a high school senior, and she's getting offers from all over Arkansas because she had good grades, and she was good in sports, and she got all these offers. And, and I'm telling you, it sounded pretty good. You know, there's full rides here and there, and opposed to big old debt. And, but I knew that wasn't God's, I just knew that wasn't God's plan for her because he revealed that to me. You know, I, I, I seen this preacher uh, preaching the other day, and it reminded me that God speaks to us. He does. He speaks to us. He hasn't speak to me audibly yet, but I'm waiting. But to my heart, he spoke to me, and I know he did, and he said, this is what I want. And because I'm not smart enough to come up with this plan. And, and the reason that I'm not smart, uh, the reason I know it's God's plan is because it worked. And our plans don't work, but God's plans do. So anyway, that was, that was the first part of the plan, to get them want to go. So here she is, a senior, and, and one day she comes up to me, and she says, I want to go to Bible college. I'm jumping up and down inside, but I'm not saying a word. Really? Really? So that's where you want to go, huh? I'm just as happy as I can be. She said, yep, that's where God wants me. Well, that is so great. But the second part of that problem was, not that it was a problem, but the second part of it was, she'd been dating this guy, and he, she just thought that he was all there was in the world, and he was going to go to Bible college. But he'd already been there two or three times. And he, he wasn't what you would want for your children to marry. Because he wasn't the kind of person that I really felt at all that she should be hooked up with. But I knew that there wasn't nothing I could do about it. God would have to take care of that. And guess what? He's going to go to the Bible college too. Oh, really? I'm thinking. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you what. This is a great thing about God. If you will listen, God will give you, a, he'll, he'll give you the answer to every problem. And again, I know it was God because it worked. And, and, and this is amazing. He, God told me, he said, call him into your office. So I did. I called him in my office. I said, hey, Sarah's going to go to the Bible college. Yeah. He said, I know that. And I said, I hear you're going to go to the Bible college. He said, yeah. I said, I, I want you to, because I'd been his youth pastor, I said, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to really pray about this. I want you to think about this. I want you to let Sarah go the first semester by herself. I want you to wait and not go the first semester. He just looked at me and I said, you remember what it was like when you were a, semester, uh, when you were a, a freshman at Bible college and w when you went and things you learned and all that stuff, how you had to trust in God? Yeah. I said, I, I, I really want that for Sarah. I want Sarah to go down there when nobody's there, and I want her to trust in God. I want her to know why she's there. I want her faith to grow that first semester, and it will, because we're 500 miles away. So because she's going to have to trust in God, she's going to have to depend on God, and I know that's what God wants for her life. 
So amazing to me, he agreed. He goes back to Sarah, tells her, and Sarah can't believe it. Sarah's crushed. Because, you know, the person that's going to show her all the ropes, going to lead her through everything, is not going to be there now. And I, I, I took her by the hand, and I said, Sarah, now listen, God's got this. God's got a whole lot more to tell you than, than, your, than your boyfriend does. I said, if you'll just trust him, it'll be the greatest time of your life. And you'll learn more, and you'll get closer to God. So she did it. Guess what? God honored it. She comes back. After Christmas, she tells me, I think I know why you sent me by myself. So by the end of the semester, she had broken up with him, and everything was good. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was the second reason for that. But there was another one. I had another reason. In order for, in order for Sarah to do God's will and really make something out of her life and, and do what I knew that he created her to do, something big, because I'm a I think big. She's got to find a Christian husband. She's got to find a husband that wants to serve God and loves God with all of his heart. And what better place to find one than at the Bible college? And that's exactly what happened. And now she's in, she's in uh, Tampa, Florida, long ways from me. That means my grandkids are a long ways from me. That's another sacrifice that Gail have, and I have to live with every day. But you know what? It's worth it. Because I know she's in the center of God's will. She's following God's plan, the most important thing for any of us. And so isn't that great? You know, she's, she's, a, she's a teacher, and, and, and she teaches in a Christian school. And then along comes number two daughter, Holly. And I start praying again. And guess what? She's got all these offers, too. She's going to go here. She's going to go there. And right, right at the, after we go to the national, she said, Dad, I want to go to the Bible college. I said, really? Well, that'd probably be all right. But I didn't have to pray any boyfriend things down with her, thankfully. But, uh, so, so it was a lot easier. So she went there, and, and, and she met a great guy and got married. And now she, for the last 10 years, she's been working with cancer patients at the at, uh, at, at hospital there. And I'm so proud of her. And yeah, I'm just thankful that, for that great plan that God put in my heart. Isn't that amazing? But you know what? God does that to all of us. He, he, he really does. Uh, might not be as you know, spectacular as to tell a story like that, but if you think back, you can, I know you can find some times when God worked in your life. I know you can because he does. He, he works in our life. But see, what happened with Samson? Now, I've got to get back to Samson. Samson, you know, he was created for a purpose. In fact, he was the world's strongest man. Nobody was created like Samson. Nobody. Well, God decided that his gift was going to be strength. And he was going to be a, a fighter. He was going to be a, a, a natural-born killer as far as against the Philistines. Because for, tw remember, 20 years, they'd been getting beat up and killed and smashed and all this stuff by the Philistines. Along come this guy. And listen, he didn't look like Hulk Hogan. He didn't. He was an average-looking guy. So nobody really feared him until they seen what he could do. And I'm telling you, God created him to be a champion, even though he wasn't as big as Goliath. But he was still a champion. He was the strongest man that ever breathed the air. And he was something else. God's plan was for him to lead Israel. Because all these years, they had been oppressed by the Philistines. And he had been sent along to be the judge and to be the deliverer. Now, uh, to be a judge is something special. And to be a deliverer is something special. And you don't see where both people are put together anywhere else. He put all that on Samson. And, and, and the Bible says for 20 years, he did judge Israel. But you know what? He had some problems. He, there were some things that came in his way. And, and one of those things was he was vanity or pride. You know, can you imagine being the world's strongest man? You might get a little bit cocky. I mean, really. 
<laughs> you honestly, I mean, the things that he did, I mean, a little bit overkill. Picking up those gates that a bulldozer couldn't pick up and carrying them 20 miles and setting them down on a hill. You know, a little bit of a show-off, maybe. <laughs> but you know what? He had this strength, and he could do it, so he did it. But you know what? Uh, like I said, there's detours in our life if we don't watch it. You know, I'm so glad that no matter what we do, all the time, God has his eyes on us. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that God is watching you all the time? There was this song that came out years ago that said, God is watching from a distance. Biggest lie ever told. That's by Beth Midler. Midler, by the way. I heard that song. I thought, that is a lie. God is not watching. God is already here. I don't have to worry about him watching me from a distance. He is right here. And he never leaves me. Now, I remember this story, and I've never told this before until the first service, very first time. I don't even know if I told Gail, but had this horrible thing almost happened to me one time. It is so horrible, I don't even like to think about it. But I was running this, I, this is back when I was about 20 years old, and I was running this big press at this big factory I worked in, and you had to put your hands up and run this press, and it was, it was called 300 tons. It was huge. It would come down and whoomp and go back up, and what it was doing was forming these big turkey pans. Every time it came down, it formed it. And, and so you normally would put your hands in these safety buttons up here, and the only, reason, only way it would go down is you push them, and your hands are free. You can't get hurt, and it whoosh. Well, when you got to make these big turkey pans, they're so big, you use this big sheet metal, and you stand here like this, and there's big, big sheets, and you grab them, and you push them in. Well, I had just did that, and it went down and come back up, and I reached in to pick up this turkey pan, and guess what I did? My foot hit the orange safety foot pedal that you don't want to hit if your arm's under 300 tons of pressure. Now, this is exactly how it happened. I reached in like this, and I heard, whoosh. I heard the air let go because I'd stepped on the pedal accidentally. And I heard it let go, and I felt the steel on my arm. I'm all the way in like this. And somehow, even though the pressure, I was on the pressure, which is amazing when you think about it, I'm standing on this foot, reaching like this, with this foot on the pedal, somehow I brought it up. Well, I know how, but... So when it, when it went back up and I felt the seal and it, whoosh, and I, I still got my arm and I thank and praise God and I sat down about died, about fainted. It, I, I tell you, when you think about losing your arm, but then what, what, the whole point of that is, that could have been a terrible detour for me. Um, I think the reason that it went back up was that wasn't God's plan. It was God's plan for me to have my arm. It was God's plan for me to learn how to play the guitar and sing songs to kids all across the country. It's, it's God's plan for me to ride horses and get tromped on and all that stuff. I don't know about that part, but, but I sure did enjoy it. But anyway, it was God's plan that I have this arm. I know it was because I couldn't do what I've done. If I didn't have this arm, it would be a whole different story. I might have died. There's a good chance I would have just died. Because when you get that happen to you and you're in back of a building and not many people around, all this, you easily could die. Because the blood you know, and all that stuff, you could easily die. Uh, but it didn't happen that way because it wasn't God's plan. And I'm so thankful. And I tell you what, whenever I think about it, I still shudder. I still feel the steel on my arm when I think about that story. But I thank God that that wasn't his plan for me that day. He had a better plan. He had a bigger plan. And I can't, like I said, it, it, it took me a while to get to that plan. But I was so glad for that plan. Now, now, see, the reason I tell you that is Samson's plan, he just totally ignored it. He totally ignored what God had for him. Um, what, what he wanted him to do. So he didn't get to achieve all the things he could. Now, he did a lot of things. He beat up a lot of people. He killed a lot of people. But it wasn't exactly what God wanted. Now, he was still delivering them, but he was doing it his own way. Have you ever done that? Done something your own way? Yeah, I have. 
Now, one of the problems that he came in with is he had a little problem with girls. You know, remember the first one? Uh, the woman of Timnah. That was the first mistake he made because he sees this beautiful girl and he says, I want her. Like, kind of like Ernestine, I love you. And it's, he just, he loved that girl. He just seen her and he said, wow. He comes back and he says, I found, I found my true love. And they said, where, where'd you find her, Ernestine? Oh, no, wait a minute. What, Samson? Where'd you find her, Samson? They said, down there in, Phil, in the Philistines. He said, oh, no, Samson, you, this was parents. No, like we tell our kids, no, no, that's not the right one. No, but he said, oh, man, she's a beauty. I love her, Freddie. She said, I want her. She looks good to me. That's what the Bible says. She was appealing to his eye. So guess what? He got her. And you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go over the whole story of Samson. You guys all know that. But it didn't work out too good, did it? didn't work out so good. And it didn't work out very good for her either. Kind of worked out not very good at all. And then, and then he goes down to Gaza, and he sees another girl. Uh-oh. Another bad thing happens. She's not right for him, of course. That's not the right ones, and God's not going to bless that. that. That's no good. And so finally, the third time, he goes down and finds the worst one in the whole country. Her name is Delilah. Delilah of Sorek. And oh my goodness, she must have been something in his eyes. Because she, I mean, she really just made him act kind of crazy, you know? It's not like girls can do that to men or boys, can they? They can't make you act funny. But for some reason, she did to him, okay? You know, all, uh, from the very beginning, they had come to her and said, Hey, if you'll find out what makes this dude so, rich, so strong, we'll make you rich. Okay, she's, she's into that. So right away from the very beginning, which is, which is very hard to believe, she starts saying these things about him, and she said, well, she says, okay, tell me, tell me what your strength is, and he starts making up these stories, remember that? Oh, okay, if you wrap me up with brand new bowstrings that are still green and not dried, I'll be as weak as any man. Okay, so what, what does she do? She wraps him up in bowstring. He wakes up and snaps his strings. That's once, okay, once maybe, okay? So Samson, what makes you so strong? Oh, he said, new ropes, I, I forgot to tell you. New ropes, they gotta be new ropes. Wrap me up with new ropes, Weak as any man. She gets him to go to sleep again. Wakes him up. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Jumps up and pops the strings. Pops the big old ropes. That's two. Well, I don't get it. Two times. Same thing. Third time. Samson, you've been lying to me. I need you to tell me the truth. Okay, okay, I will. You got to weave my hair in seven locks and weave it into a loom. I'll be as weak as any man. Okay, make me go to sleep now. So that's what he did. He went to sleep. Wakes up, jumps up, tears his hair out of the loom somehow, and starts beating up everybody. Okay? That's number three. Now, i got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm not really understanding all this so far. Because once, maybe. Twice, I don't get. Three, I, something's wrong up here. So, so, so she says, okay. Then she starts. Samson, you don't love me. How can you say you love me? How can you say you love me and you won't tell me the truth? On and on and on. And on and on. They've got disability, some of them. And, and they, on and on. He said, okay, I'm going to go crazy. I'll tell you. I don't understand what, what Samson's thinking, but he tells her. 
He knows he's not supposed to tell anybody. She's already proven three times she's going to do exactly what he says. Now he's going to tell her the truth, but he don't think she's going to do it. I don't understand that. But anyway, he does. He said, okay, I do love you, so I'm going to tell you. I've never had a haircut. A razor has never touched my scalp. That is where, that's the secret to my strength, is my hair. Once again, hey, you are getting very sleepy, you know. <laughs> he falls asleep. The fourth time he falls asleep. This time, the ending's a whole lot different. He is so far away from God, he doesn't even know when God leaves. And that's sad. It's one of the saddest things you'll ever find is when you're so far from God, you don't even know when he left. Isn't that terrible? That is such a terrible, it's got to be such a terrible feeling. And that's what happened. She, just, she hollered, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He hopped up like he was going to hop up all the other times. But a little different ending. His strength was gone. They grabbed him, immediately poked out his eyes, and started making fun of him from that day on because he had fell right for her trick. And, she, and he had left God, and God had left him, and now he was humiliated and, and, and they were going to do nothing but have fun with him the rest of his life. He became the center of, of everybody's enjoyment. They would bring him in this coliseum that, that seated over 2,000 people. I mean, it was big. He was great. Maybe 20,000. It was really big. And, and they would just laugh at him and beat him and slap him and stuff to make him look... Because he was so strong. But now he was so weak. But you know what? That wasn't what God wanted. And he had a whole lot more for him than that. Uh, and as we get into this, right at the ending here, we see that uh, there, was, there were some things that happened to him. And I wanted to, I wanted to bring these up to you. First, the, uh, the three S's of, that I wanted to share with you. The first thing, Samson was strong. He was really strong. Now, he was physically strong. I can't say he was mentally strong, and I certainly can't say he's spiritually strong. Now, physically strong is a good thing. I like to be strong. But you know what? Being mentally strong, being, and then even more than that, being spiritually strong is so important. It's so, so important. And that's what gets us through life. That's what gets us, that's what develops us and what we are, what we can be, and what we develop into is because how strong we are spiritually. It, it tells the whole story. It tells whether you're a failure or a success. It tells you whether you're happy or you're sad, whether, you have, whether you're strong spiritually. And he wasn't. Second thing that he was, Samson was selfish. Samson was willing to forget the vows, forget the calling, forget everything, and just be happy, and just show off, and just be pleased himself, and he did. Samson was self selfish. And the last thing he was, at the very end of his life, Samson was very, very, very sorry. He was sorry. Now, nobody is sorrier than somebody that loses something they once had. You know, you don't miss your water until it runs, until you can't take a shower, or you're thirsty. I mean, that's the way it was with Samson. Until he missed it, until it was gone. He never knew how great he had it. I mean, can you imagine going from the world's strongest man to being weak as anybody? I mean, I can't imagine the difference, but see, that's, that's what he felt. And even that, even that wasn't the worst. What was worse was the remorse that you feel. Have you ever did something wrong and felt bad? Have you? Yeah, I have. But you can imagine you have let down God. You've let down your country. Can you imagine the remorse that he's starting to feel now that he realizes he's done something wrong? The remorse sets in, and he is, he is almost taken down... Too far for his remorse. But then right at the last second, 
he remembers that God is still there. And as he's being let out for his, for his next little time in the arena, he tells the little boy, he says, but, would, would you mind putting one hand on one pillar and one on another? I'm getting kind of tired. I want to kind of support myself here. And the little guy says, okay. So he puts it up there and he, he lifts his head up and he says, God, it's me, Samson. And you won't hear a sadder thing in your life than that. Why? Because he had to identify who he was. Because he knew God was gone. It wasn't in his life. He had to cry out and say, God, it's me, Samson. Uh, you know, then he says, God, hear me this last time. If you would just give me back my strength and let me avenge myself and my country and you, I'm willing to die with these people in order to avenge and to do what you called me to do with my last breath. With my last breath, I'll do what I never did with my life, but I'll do it in my death. If you will just bless me this one time. And, and I'm telling you, those big columns were huge. It was supporting a Coliseum. You couldn't have knocked it down with a, you'd have to have a great big bulldozer. I'm kidding you, not kidding you. It was huge. So I'm not, I'm not so sure that God didn't give me more power than he ever had. Because he put one hand here, one hand here, and he started to push, knowing what was going to happen. He's willing to do it. Because he knew he messed up, but he wanted to fulfill God's call. And that's why his name is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, Heroes of Faith. That's why he's there. I know it is. Because he could have just said, Ugh, what a, you know, why did God do this to me? And just let it be his life. But no, he, God allowed him one last time to avenge and to get, and, and he started feeling, first of all, he started feeling the strength come back in his arms. And then he started feeling, with that, he felt the Spirit of God coming back in his heart. Oh my goodness, what a feeling. You know, there might be somebody here today that's never had that feeling. You might be here today and you never asked the Lord in your life. You never asked Jesus to come into your heart. Today you can. Today you can feel that power. You can feel that, that, that such a blessing come into you. That's such a comfort. And that can happen today if, if you'll just ask. Now, Samson went on, and he did push them columns down. The Bible says he killed more in his death than he did in all of his life. And that was his purpose, is to avenge against the Philistines. So he fulfilled it. So as we all stand and we get ready to have our invitation, I, I want you to, if you'd stand with me, I want you to be thinking about a couple things. One thing is, what's, how am I doing with the plan God has for my life? You know, the Bible says, if you want to find me, you've got to seek me. With all your heart, by the way. When you seek me with all your heart. You don't let anything get between that. Okay? You can't halfway seek him and get the will. You can't halfway seek him and find a purpose. All your heart. Is that easy? No. We want to keep back a little for ourselves. I do. But God says, you've got to seek me with all your heart. When you do, you'll find me, you'll find your will, my will, and you'll find your purpose. And once again, if you've never asked Jesus in your heart, and you'd love to come, and you'd like to come right now, we'd love to show you how you can find Jesus today, and he can fulfill what's missing in your life. Or if you just want to come and say, God, help me with that plan. Help my eyes to be clear. Help, help me to understand what you want me to do. You might just want to come and say, God, I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be doing some other stuff. Help me to do that. If you'd like to do that right now as we sing, please come.
thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all in all jesus paid it Jesus paid it all.